Hey guys, I'm Pastor Jason Shirley. I'm the associate pastor right here at Word of Life Church in Carlsbad, New Mexico. And I'm really excited that you have joined us today online. Just a couple of things. I want you to drop us a line if you're watching wherever in the world and let us know where you're watching from. We would love to hear from you. Second, if you want to partner with us today in a financial way, then you can give by texting 84321 and just text your amount, or you can go to our website, wolcarlsbad.com, and you can click the Give tab and give that way. The last thing today is that if you have any needs or anything like that that we can partner with you on, then drop us a line and send us that, and we're going to partner with you in prayer. I believe today is going to be a wonderful day. I want you to open up your heart to receive from the Word of God today and always remember that God is madly in love with you. Let's get to the service. Who's ready for some Word? Hallelujah. Well, I have been kind of excited about this series. And, uh, oh my goodness, uh, this series has forced me to, uh, to study. I mean, not that I don't study anyway, but, but I mean, this has forced an extra level of, of study for me because it is a, a subject that I have not taught before. And so you're getting something that is hot off the press. And uh, really, to, I, I started going one direction with it. And then uh, as I was trying to go that direction, I, I began to, I, I just sensed that I needed to go a different way with it and cover something else first as, as a way of laying some groundwork uh, for this. So today is going to be some groundwork laying for some uh, the the rest of this series, and so um, you know if you take notes, take some good notes so you can uh, go home and, and and study this. If you watch us online, you know go go online if you've got the app. If you don't have the app, get the app on your phone or tablet. Um, but uh, go listen to this, listen to the podcast, whatever you need to do. To, to study on this and to chew on this and, and get this down on the inside of you because this is some uh, exciting and powerful stuff today. We're going to be talking about the uh, priesthood of Jesus. The priesthood of Jesus. Now, I, I've mentioned from, from time to time in various scriptures, you know, that Jesus is our high priest. But we're going to really dig in to this and look into what that means to you and I and, uh, and what we have in the sense that we have a high priest at the right hand of the Father, praise God. And uh, he is there, the Bible says, he ever lives to make intercession for us. So let's just lift one hand today and say this with me. Say, Father, I thank you for your word. Your word is spirit and life to me. I believe with all my heart that your word, sown in good ground, produces good fruit. Father, I am good ground for your word. I'm a doer of the word, not a hearer only, and I am blessed in my deeds. And I rejoice today, Father, because you sent Holy Spirit to reveal truth to me, 
So I call on you today, Holy Spirit, to do your work in my life. Reveal truth to me. I'll receive it, act upon it, be changed by it, and I will never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In John chapter 3, verse number 34, it says this, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give him the Spirit by measure. Now, what I want you to see in this passage is that Jesus, you know, we talk about how that Jesus ascended back into heaven and when he ascended on high, Ephesians chapter 4 says he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ that... Uh, uh, you know, and, and, and talks about those ministry gifts and those ministry offices. But this passage tells us that Jesus, the one whom God sent, it says that he had the Spirit upon him without measure. Now, we all have a measure of the ministry of Jesus. We all have a portion of of Jesus' ministry, and as the body of Christ, when we put the all of us together, contributing like God designed that we would do, and we, we begin to use the gifts that He has given us, and we put those all together, then once again we have the ministry of Jesus complete and functioning in the earth again. Praise God. And now... Uh, but I want you to see that Jesus had all ministry gifts, all of the ministry offices. He had them all operating in his own ministry. And let me, let me just give you an example of what I'm talking about. In Acts chapter 7, uh, verse number 37, uh, he is called a prophet. We, we see that God would raise up a prophet uh, and it's talking about Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1, he is called the apostle and high priest of our confession. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse number 20, uh, he is the great shepherd, or shepherd being the same word that is translated in other places as pastor. He's the great pastor. In uh, John chapter 13, verse number 13, uh, he said, you call me a teacher, and you rightly say, because I am a teacher. So, um, and then we find, uh, you know, I thought, okay, Lord, where does it say he's an evangelist? Well, here's what it says. In Luke chapter 4, verse number 18, um, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good tidings. The word preach is the same root word from the Greek where we get our word evangelist. And so we see that Jesus was apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, high priest of our confession. He, he had all the ministry offices and, and functions within himself. But when he ascended on high and went back to heaven, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some people to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some pastors and some teachers. And he, he gave those for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry. And so um, 
I want us to look, however, we're going to be talking today specifically and in, in, a, in the weeks to come about the, the high priestly ministry of Jesus. Now, in, in our day and time, we really don't have a proper understanding in our culture. Now, if you were in a, uh, you know, a different culture, you might really have a better understanding of what a priest is. If you were, if you were in the Jewish culture, or, or you, know, you might have a better understanding about that. But us, today, we don't really have a proper understanding of what a priest is, what a priest does, what his office is, what, what uh, his responsibilities are. And so that's what we're going to be looking into. Why does a priest dress the way he dresses? You know, I'm not going to dig into that today, but that's upcoming. Uh, you know, why, why did the priest under the Old Covenant, why was his, uh, the priestly garments, why were they what they are? And, uh, uh, you know, why did he do the, the duties that he did the way that he did them? And so, you know, if we understand those, that speaks a powerful, powerful message to your heart and gives you confidence in Jesus, your high priest. Now, today, uh, people seem to think that a priest is just another word for a pastor. And many people, uh, uh, you know, in well, in your church, we call them a pastor. And in our church, we call them a minister. In somebody else's church, we call them a priest. And, you know, but a priest and a pastor is not the same thing. And uh, in the scriptures, uh, the office of the priest, the responsibilities of the priest are different from the, the office and the responsibilities of the pastor. And so we're going to be talking about those things. So I am your pastor. I am not your priest. Okay? So let, let, if anybody asks you, well, who's the priest at your church? Well, Jesus is your priest. Praise God. And so, uh, you know, I'm your pastor. Uh, now, Jesus is also a pastor. He's called the great pastor. Uh, but I am an under-shepherd or an under-pastor under him. Praise God. And, uh, you know, I, I try to not get nitpicky about things, but sometimes I do for the very simple reason that I want you to understand and that sometimes being nitpicky it, it's not an issue of being legalistic about it, you know, and if you don't understand and you get it wrong, you're not going to upset the Lord, okay? He's not going to be upset with you about that, and He's not going to punish you for that or, you know, or not answer your prayers because of that or not talk to you because of that, you know. That's, that's not what we're talking about, but we're talking about that, that um, when we understand properly what these things are, even though it seems a little nitpicky, it's really to help you understand what you have and, and the blessing that is yours as a result of it. So that's why we're going to dig in and talk about, you know, all of the, the nitpicky little stuff about, uh, about a priest and the, so you can really understand what Jesus is doing right now. You know, is, uh, is Jesus sitting there at the right hand of the Father on his recliner throne? Don't think so. You know, he's got responsibilities at the right hand of the Father. And uh, he is performing those responsibilities and those duties on your behalf and on my behalf. Praise God. So I want to know what he is doing for me. 
Praise God. And you need to know what he's doing for you. Praise God. Now, the, uh, the office of the prophet, you know, uh, many times people confuse the priesthood from the office of the prophet. Now, what is a, a prophet does this. A prophet speaks the word from the Lord. He hears what the Lord is saying, and he speaks that then to the people. But the priest is just the opposite of that. The priest ministers to the Lord on your behalf. All right, so let's understand that. The prophet, he hears what the Lord's saying. He speaks that to you. The priest, and I'm oversimplifying, I, I get that, but uh, the, the prophet is speaking the word from the Lord to the people, but the priest takes from the people and ministers it to the Lord. Praise God. And uh, that was the responsibilities under the old covenant. It's the responsibility of Jesus under the new covenant. Praise God. As your high priest. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 1. I encourage you to read about chapters 4 through, uh, oh goodness, just read all the Hebrews. Just, just read the whole thing. It's not that long. It won't take you that long. Just read all of Hebrews. Spend a little time meditating on the parts that you see in there about the priestly ministry of Jesus. Um, Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 1 says, Every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer both gifts and sacrifice for sins. He may offer both gifts and sacrifice for sins. Now we know that Jesus, when he rose from the dead and he stepped into that office of high priest, Jesus entered into the Holy of Holies in heaven, the true Holy of Holies, and just as was the pattern under the old covenant, the Old Testament priest, he would bring the blood of the sacrifice and he would offer that on the mercy seat of God, on, on the, the mercy seat on the top of the Ark of the Covenant. He would offer that blood of the sacrifice there. Well, the very same thing applies today except that the blood is not the blood of a bull or a goat, you know, but the blood that he offers on the mercy seat of God in heaven, the true holy of holies, that blood is his own blood. The blood of bulls and goats could provide a temporary covering for the sins of the people. The blood of Jesus could eradicate sin. Praise God. And so we have a better covenant that is established upon better promises. And so, you know, so it's, oh goodness, this subject is so jam-packed with, with stuff that is, I mean, it's so powerful to your life if you understand what is actually taking place. And I'm going to do the very best that I can do to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and, and to um, uh, communicate effectively what is going on 
through this priestly ministry of Jesus. Because I want you to see this because it will change the way you think about Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And see, here's the thing that we are told to preach the gospel of Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. And this is good. This stuff is good news. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians. He says that we have a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. Praise God. Praise God. Now, um, let's, let's begin to dig into this. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 4. And I want you to understand that from this point on, when I talk about the priest, I want you to see everything that I'm talking about. I want you to see Jesus in this, okay? Because he is the high priest, and I want you to see him. I'm trying to paint a, a picture of Jesus and what his activity is on your behalf today. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 5 Verse number four says, And no man takes this honor to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was, so also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest. But it was he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about Melchizedek. And uh, the reason is that Jesus, the book of Hebrews says this, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest. Because under the old covenant, according to the law, the priest was from the, the tribe of Levi. Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. And so because of that, Jesus would not be a priest if he were here on this earth. But he is not a part of the Levitical priesthood. He is after the order of Melchizedek. So we need to know who Melchizedek is, and we need to know what the significance of that is, that he is a priest after the order or according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, he says that a priest, even under the Levitical priesthood, a priest did not just decide, I want to be a priest, and then he can be a priest. No, he had to be called of God to be a priest. And if, as we study, we find out that under the old covenant, that the tribe of Levi, the descendants of Levi, who was one of Jacob's 12 sons, and so Levi's descendants were ordained of God to be the priests. And so all of the priests under the Old Covenant, now there were some priests before the Old Covenant, before the, the, the law came into existence, but under the law, 
All of the priests were of the tribe or the offspring of Levi. And, uh, uh, you know, for their inheritance, there is a, 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 uh, there's a special arrangement. The tribe of Levi, as uh, the children of Israel entered into the promised land, they all received uh, an inheritance of, of land. This was their territory. This was their land. The tribe of Levi did not receive that because they received the priesthood. And uh, therefore, there was, there was a special provision for the priesthood. Um, but here he says, the one that called Jesus to be a priest after the order of Melchizedek was the same one who said, you are my son. Okay? So who said, you are my son? Father, right? Okay, obviously only fathers say you are my son. Uh, uh, so Jesus is called of Father God to be a priest, but he's not a priest after the, the Levitical priesthood. He is a priest according to the order of Melchizedek. And we only see two individuals that were ever priests according to the order of Melchizedek, and that was Melchizedek himself and now Jesus. Okay? And Melchizedek, we're going to begin to see that Melchizedek was a type of Christ. He was a, uh, and, and if you're not familiar with that term of, uh, of being a type of something, all through the Old Testament we find that there are uh, there are things that, that uh, events that happened, there are people, there are facts that, that exist that all paint a picture of Christ. And, uh, you know, it, it is Christ is like Melchizedek in this way. And so, therefore, we would say that Melchizedek was a type of Christ. Praise God. And so let's, let's look here. Um, he says, So also Christ did not glorify himself. He didn't just decide, I'm going to be a priest, to become a high priest. But it was he who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest after or forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, notice he said forever. So if Jesus was ever a priest, he's still a priest and will always be a priest. Praise God. Because he is a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, Melchizedek, we, we don't know a tremendous amount about Melchizedek, but that's part of the thing that makes him a type of, of Christ, and I'll, I'll point that out to you. But first of all, Melchizedek, we are told in the book of Genesis that Melchizedek was the king of righteousness and the king of peace. King of Salem, which is the king of peace. Um, and there is no recorded genealogy. We have no record of his birth, where he, you know, to who he was 
was born, who his father was. We have no record of that. Some people say, well, he was uh, Shem, who was one of Noah's sons. However, that cannot be true because we find here that there is no record of his genealogy. And we do have record of Shem's genealogy. So, therefore, there is no record. It's very clear right here. There is, he's without genealogy, without record of his birth or where he went after we see him appear in, uh, in Genesis. We don't know where he went. We, we have no record of that whatsoever. Um, but here in, in Genesis, and I think I put the wrong scripture reference down here. I put Hebrews 7. This is not Hebrews 7. I believe it's Genesis 14. Uh, but it says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abram returning from the slaughter of the kings. I take that back. Maybe that is Hebrews 7. Somebody look it up and tell me. But anyway... Look up Hebrews 7, uh, about verse number 1, and see if that's what it says. Um, but anyway, uh, this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings, blessed him, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being translated king of righteousness. Okay, my, my biggest mistake was thinking I made a mistake. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I was right. It is Hebrews 7. Okay. And, and then also king of Salem, meaning king of peace, without father, without mother, without genealogy. It didn't mean that he didn't have a father or mother, it means there is no record of his father or mother. So we don't know who his father, who his mother was, or who his descendants were. Um, having neither beginning of days, that doesn't. That also doesn't mean that he didn't have a beginning. It means that we don't know anything about. His beginning. We have no record of his beginning. Nor end of life, but made like the Son of God, remains a priest continually. So here we have um, that he is like the Son of God. Now, why is this a type of Christ? Because in the beginning was the Word. When was the beginning? Well, you, you can go back infinitely, you know, this, uh, you can look that way or that way to the beginning or to the end as far as you can look and the distance cannot be measured, you know. You could say, well, this was the beginning. Well, what was before that? You understand what I'm saying? There's, there's the, no beginning and no end because it goes on infinitely. Jesus, though he, and, and I like to point this out, that Jesus actually became known as Jesus when he was born in Bethlehem or actually when, he was, when, when his birth was prophesied 
he was called Jesus. When the angel came and said, you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Uh, so prior to that time, he was not known as Jesus. He was God the Word. God the Word. So in the beginning was the Word. Or in the beginning was God the Word. And so when was the beginning? Well, the beginning was before that. Whatever you're thinking, it was before that. Okay? The, the beginning goes back infinitely into the past. And he is without end because the end goes infinitely into the future. So this is why Melchizedek, since we have no reference to his beginning, we can say we can go back infinitely into the past. We can go infinitely into the future. And this is why he is a type of Christ in that regard. Because God the Word had no beginning and has no end. Praise God. Now, because of that, it says that he remains a priest continually. So Jesus will forever be your high priest. Praise God. Now, what happened? We, we talked about Abraham returning from the slaughter. Now, there were a group of, five, uh, of nine kings, actually, five kings against four kings, that, that they came together in, in battle. And in the process of all of this, Abraham's nephew, Lot, was taken captive by, uh, as a result of this battle, as part of the spoils of this battle. When Abraham heard about it, Abraham gathered 300 trained servants. You know, you think uh, Abraham might have been wealthy? Think he might have been a blessed man if he had 300 trained servants in his house? Uh, I'm thinking he was a wealthy, blessed man. And so um, Abraham gathered together 300 of his trained servants, and they went pursuing these kings that had taken Lot captive. And they attacked them, and they defeated them, and they took the spoils of the battle. And, and, and uh, among that, uh, the spoils of the battle was he rescued his nephew Lot and, and brought him back. Lot was dwelling in Sodom at that time. You, everybody knows about Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, this was before it was destroyed. And so Sodom uh, was, was where Lot was living at that time. And so he brings back Lot and all the spoils from the battle that had been taken. And the king of Sodom comes out and meets Abraham returning from the battle. And, he, and uh, uh, this is where we, we take up here in Hebrews 7, verse number 4. Now consider how great this man was, talking about Melchizedek, to whom even the patriarch Abraham gave a tenth of the spoils. And indeed... Those who are of the sons of Levi, who received the priesthood, have a commandment 
to receive tithes from the people according to the law, that is, from their brethren, though they have come from the loins of Abraham. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham. In other words, he's saying that Melchizedek received tithes from Abraham. Melchizedek was not a descendant of Abraham. He did, his genealogy was not derived from Abraham, is what he says. Uh, but he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Who had the promises? Abraham had the promises. So what we see is returning from the battle, and he gives a tithe of the spoils of the battle. He gives that tithe to Melchizedek as a type of Christ, and it says that, um, you know, uh, Melchizedek, being the priest of the Most High God, then blessed Abraham. Abraham gives him a tithe, and he blesses Abraham. And then he says, the lesser is blessed by the greater. So he said Melchizedek was greater than even Abraham. Abraham is held in high regard as the father of faith, as the father of, of many nations. He's held in high regard and high esteem appropriately. But yet he, he said, how great was Melchizedek? Melchizedek was so great that even Abraham gave a tithe to Melchizedek. And Melchizedek, in response to that, blessed Abraham. Praise God. Now, here we see this, um, verse number 7. Now, beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. Here, mortal men receive tithes. Now, he's tying this in. The writer of Hebrews is tying this in and likening this to Christ. So notice, here, mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them. So when you bring your tithes to the Lord, though it is received by mortal men, yet in heaven, Jesus there as your high priest, as your Melchizedek, receives the tithe. Praise God. There are people, well, I'm not giving a tithe to the church. Well, you know, they're just, I'm not, I'm not paying that preacher. And if you've got that kind of a mentality about it, don't do it. Don't do it. Because you're not giving it to the preacher, you're giving it to the Lord. Praise God. You're giving it to Jesus. Praise God. Because here it says, there he receives it. Praise God. But there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. 
Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes. Praise God. Even Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes. Now, I'll say this. Preachers ought to tithe too. Okay? Preachers, you know, they shouldn't just receive tithes because here the pattern is that Levi, who received the tithes, also paid tithes. Now, here he goes on and he says that uh, Levi, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, so to speak, for he was still in the loins of his father Abraham when Melchizedek met him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, under the law, the priest was commanded to receive tithes from their brethren. They were commanded to receive tithes from their brethren. So, under the law, tithing was a, a, a legal requirement. Um, but... How many know, we preach around here, you are not under law, but under grace. Now, do we still tithe? We tithe, but for a completely different reason. And we're going to talk about that. Not because, now, really, if you went back to the root of why they were supposed to tithe, we really do tithe for the same reason. But uh, um, under the law, it was commanded that the priest receive tithes from the people. Um, but here we bring tithes unto the Lord, and Jesus, our high priest in heaven, receives the tithe. Praise God. Now, 430 years before the law. So there are some that say, well, tithing is, is that's law. Well, it was included in the law, but it also existed 430 years before the law. Praise God. Praise God. Now, how many of you want the blessing of Abraham? You know, we are told in Scripture that we are heirs of the blessing of Abraham. Praise God. So, if we want to be received the blessing of Abraham, the principles that apply to Abraham apply to us. Praise God. Now, in Genesis chapter 14, so he brought back all the goods from this battle that we just talked about, also brought back his brother Lot, actually his nephew Lot. Um, one, one place it says his brother's son and then another place calls him his brother. So, uh, but we see he was his brother's son. He was, Lot was his, actually his nephew. Um, and his goods as well as the women and the people. And the king of Sodom went out to meet him at the, uh, at the valley of Sheva. That is the king's valley. And after his return from the defeat at Chedalomar, and the kings who were with him. Now, 
let's go to verse number 18 of, uh, of Genesis chapter 14. Here it says, Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. Now, we receive the Lord's table around here every day, uh, every Sunday. Uh, you know, as we receive the Lord's table, what do we have? Bread and wine or crackers and grape juice. But, uh, um, you know, the, the bread and the wine speaks of the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Melchizedek brought this out in a type of Christ because the, the bread is a type of the body of Jesus. The wine is a type of the blood of Jesus. So we see this here. Yet he brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. Now, not only was it a type of the body, the broken body, the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was a type of the sacrifice. The priest dealt in sacrifices, gifts and sacrifices to God. So in dealing with sacrifices to God, the bread and wine was a type of the, the, uh, the sacrifice. And of course, Jesus' body and blood being the, the sacrifice on which basis we approach God today. Praise God. But he brought out bread and wine, and uh, he was a priest of the Most High God, and he blessed him, blessed Abraham, and said, Blessed is Abram of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and he blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And then notice here, he gave him a tithe of all. Now, notice this. The blessing came before the tithe. The blessing came before the tithe. You realize that under the new covenant, really even under the old, uh, a tithe is a tenth of your increase. So that means the increase has to come first, right? Does that, does that make sense to anybody? Increase has to come first. If you hadn't had any increase, then there's not a, how do you have a tenth of nothing? So there's got to be a tenth because the increase had to come first. The blessing had to come first. Praise God. So he gives him a tithe of all. Now, keep that in mind. He has given Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils of the battle. Now, in Genesis chapter 14, verse number 21. Now the king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. So what he's saying is you went into this battle, you won the battle, and you have brought back the spoils from the battle. Can you let me have the, the people back and you can keep all the stuff that they stole? You, you go ahead and keep, just give me the persons, give me the people, and you go ahead and keep all the stuff that they stole. And notice what Abram said to the king of Sodom. I have raised my hand 
to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and of earth. So he said, I've raised my hand. What's he talking about? Is he talking about he was waving at him? Uh, no. He's talking, he said, I've raised my hand. How did he raise his hand? He raised his hand, and what was the significance of that? He raised his hand when he gave a tenth of all the spoils to Melchizedek. He, was, he said, I raised my hand. In other words, he by giving a tenth of the spoils to Melchizedek, he acknowledged, he said, I've raised my hand to the Lord Most High. He said, I have, I have acknowledged and recognized that the Lord Most High, Lord God Most High, is the source of my victory. That's why I won the victory is because of the Lord, because He is the source. So when we bring a tithe, we raise our hand to the source of where we got it. Pastor Jason read the, uh, the, the passage this morning from Deuteronomy. Uh, said, you shall remember the Lord your God. It is He who gives you the power to get wealth. He said, raise your hand to the one who is your source. And after all, you know, I, I began to ask the Lord some time back when I began to preach uh, this gospel of grace I began to preach this. I thought, okay, how does the tithe, how does that fit into the gospel of grace? How does that fit in? Because here's the deal. If I am under grace, I am acknowledging that everything I have is not because of my own merit. Everything I have is because of Him. And when I bring him and offer him the tithe, I am acknowledging the only reason I have this in my hand is because he has blessed me. Abraham was saying, the only reason I have these spoils from this battle is because the Lord Most High has blessed me. Therefore, I have raised my hand in acknowledgement that he is the source of, of my victory praise God and and that my friend is not law that is grace 101 I have acknowledged that God is the source of everything I have praise God and that is exactly what the tithe under the before the law and after the law that is the very, uh, that, that in, its in its most simplistic form, that is tithing. That is grace, praise God, to acknowledge why am I righteous? Because he made me righteous. Why am I forgiven? Because he forgave me. Why do I have blessings in my life? Because he blessed me. Why do I, why do I have air to breathe today? Because he gave me air to breathe. Praise God. Why do I have anything? Why can I do anything? Because He is the source of everything I have and everything I can do. Praise God. Praise God. Now, He says, I raised my hand by giving the tithe. Praise God. And so, He says here, he's, he's, the king of Sodom says, Give me the persons and take the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, 
I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, the possessor of heaven and earth. And then in verse number 23, he says this, that I will take nothing from a thread to a sandal strap and that I will not take anything that is yours lest you should say, I have made Abram rich. Now, he's saying, I will not permit it to be said. I will acknowledge that the Lord God Most High has made me rich. I will not permit it to be said that anyone or anything else has made me rich. Now, when we bring the tithe and offer it to the Lord, we're saying, He is the one that has blessed me. It's not my own merit. The passage that, that Jason read out of Deuteronomy, he said, you know, don't say, you know, my effort, my wealth, or, or my hand has gained me this wealth, but you shall remember it's the Lord your God that gave you the power to get wealth. Praise God. Praise God. And in its most simplistic form, that is grace because grace is acknowledging everything that I have, every blessing I have, it all came from Him. It's not my merit. Praise God. Praise God. He goes on, he says, uh, except only that the, uh, what the young, have, young men have eaten and the portion of the men who went with me, and he gave them their portion, but everything else he returned to the king of Sodom, and he said, because I will not allow it to be said that you have made me rich. Let me just say this today. We need to make a, a vow and a commitment that we will not allow anyone or anything else other than the Lord to be credited with our blessing and what we have. Praise God. That includes yourself. You're not blessed because of you. You're not blessed because you have merited it. You're not blessed because you're a wonderful person, even though you, you know, you are. But that's not why you're blessed. Praise God. Praise God. Let me tell you this. You're not blessed because of your employer. Now, that kind of takes the, the, the heat off that if your employer decides he didn't want to be your employer anymore, you're still blessed. Praise God. If you lose your job today, you're still blessed. You're not blessed because of your job. You're blessed because of the Lord. You know, and if that day comes that I lose my employment, I want to be known that He is the source of my blessing and He hasn't changed. Praise God. And then furthermore, don't let it ever be said that the government is the source of your blessing. Now, government can, by its policies, can affect uh, the blessing of a lot of people, but the government is not the source of my blessing. They can create an atmosphere that uh, uh, makes it easier or more difficult to, to do business and to operate, 
But government's not the source of my blessing. God is. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And when I understand that, I'm blessed whether a Republican or a Democrat is in the White House or an Independent. doesn't matter. I'm still blessed. Praise God. When I understand that the government is not the source of my blessing, when I understand that Wall Street is not the source of my blessing, it doesn't matter if the stock market goes up or down, I'm still blessed because the source of my blessing hasn't changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That was a great place for you to say amen. amen. Praise God. Praise God. Because it's the truth. And so I want to be acknowledging and making that, that confession of my faith that my blessing is because of Him. Not because of anything or anyone else. I have raised my hand to the Lord God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Praise God. I have raised my hand and acknowledged that all of my blessing came from Him. Praise God. Praise God. Now, the Melchizedek priesthood was according to grace, but the Levitical priesthood was according to the law. I'm glad we're under the Melchizedek priesthood. Praise God. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. Therefore, if perfection were through the Levitical priesthood, for under it the people received the law, what further need was there that another priest should arise according to the order of Melchizedek and not be called according to the order of Aaron or, or Levi? Now, how do we know he's preaching grace here? How do we know that? Because he talks about the Levitical priesthood being of the according to the law, but he says, but we're we have the Levitical or the the uh, Melchizedek priesthood now, which was not according to the law. Praise God. So he's saying, if if perfection could have been achieved through the, Le the Levitical priesthood, then there would not have been a need for another priesthood. Now that sounds exactly like what the Apostle Paul said when he said that he talked about the, the law, which was glorious, but is passing away. And he said, because God finding fault with it instituted a new and better covenant according to grace. Praise God. That you know, you read Paul's writings, Romans, Philippians, Colossians, Galatians, Ephesians, you read uh, Paul's writings there, and you see Paul saying the exact same thing here. In fact, many people say, many people believe that they they, they tell us that nobody knows who the author of Hebrews was. Well, I know who the author was, Holy Spirit. Okay, but I also know who penned it, or I, I think I know who penned it. I'm going to say it that way. 
I am pretty sure that it was Paul. All right, I, I can't definitively say that um, because in here the reason that, that there's a dispute about it is because it didn't say Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, like all of his other letters did. But uh, nonetheless, he talks about the same things. And the reason he's talking about the Levitical priesthood versus the uh, Melchizedek priesthood is because there was fault with the Levitical priesthood. Therefore, God instituted another priesthood. Praise God. Praise God. Now, I don't have time to go any further with this today. So, i got to stop right here, and we're going to pick this up. But uh, I told you I was laying some groundwork, and we hadn't got to the real exciting part yet. Uh, you know, there's been some exciting things in this, but we hadn't got to the real exciting part yet. We're going to. And uh, so, with that said, we're going to shut this down as far as this message goes. Praise God. But let me just ask this. Have you received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? If you're in this room today, if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, Jesus said this. He said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Cannot. He didn't say it's difficult. He said you cannot. Praise God. But... See, the thing is, that's not an indictment against people who are not born again. That's an invitation to people who have never been born again. So you can be a born again, you know, and I, I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again because it bears repeating. Some people may have never heard it, but I, I want you to understand it this way. There are times we used to do uh, events sometimes back in the back part of the building here. And when we would do that, we couldn't tell when someone came in the front door. And so we would open the side door over here, and we'd put a sign on the front door that said, uh, please use the side door. And we'd put an arrow pointing you around to the side. And uh, the reason for that was not to keep the people who like to use the front door out. We weren't trying to keep, you know, the people who normally come. We weren't trying to keep people out. We were actually trying to tell people how to get in. And when Jesus, when, when he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father but by me. When he, when he made that statement, he wasn't trying to keep all the people who want to come by Buddha or Muhammad or or themselves he wasn't trying to keep all them out he was trying to tell them all how to get in he said the doors around to the side the door is Jesus use the Jesus door in fact in one place he says I'm the door praise God and so there's no other way to come and he's not trying to keep anyone who wants to come another way out He's trying to tell everyone, this is how to get in. Praise God. You come by Jesus. You must be born again. Praise God. How do we do that? How do we get born again? You can get born again 
in an instant. It's not that you have to achieve a certain level of perfection before you can get in. It's that you simply have to believe something. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Praise God. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. So if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What's this confession thing? This confession thing is not confessing all of your sins, but it is confessing that and acknowledging that you are coming by Jesus. That's literally what it, you are acknowledging that you are coming to God by Jesus. And he said, you can't come to God any other way. Praise God. So you are acknowledging what you believe. So I want us to pray a prayer together, whether you're here in this room or whether you're watching online. I want everyone to pray this prayer with me today. And if, you know, if, if you've been born again for 50 years, you can never confess Jesus' lordship too many times. You're not confessing it to, to be born again or to get saved again. You're confessing it because you believe it. Praise God. So I want us all to say this together. If you pray this for the very first time and you mean this, praise God. If you pray this and you mean it, then you will be saved. When we say amen, you will be saved. Praise God. Let's pray this together. Say, God in heaven, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for me. He paid for all of my sins. And then you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Today I choose Jesus and I put my trust in him. I come to you by Jesus and I accept Jesus as my Savior. Right now, amen. Thank you once again for joining us today online. We value you and we wanna hear from you. If you made a decision for Christ today, you can select I Choose Jesus on our website. And we've got a couple videos for you to watch so that you can get started on your walk with God. We've also got a free ebook that you can download right from our website called I Choose Jesus. And I wanna encourage you to do that. Once again, thank you for joining us. And remember that God is madly in love with you.